You are listening to the Regent College Podcast. Hello, everyone. My name is Octavio Fernandez y Mostajo. And my name is Claire Perini. And we're so happy to welcome you back to the Regent College Podcast. We are so happy to welcome you back. Uh, friends, we had a conversation with Dr. Ellen Cherry today, who is the Margaret W. Harmon Professor of Systematic Theology Emerita at Princeton Theological Seminary. And she has done the Lang Lectures series here at Regent College. And some of her uh, sort of past work in the last 10 years or so is around the nature of emotions and feelings and in particular, happiness. And so we had a conversation with her around how we understand happiness and joy biblically and theologically. How has the Christian tradition understood those things? And what does that actually look like in her own life? So we had a really, a really interesting conversation with her. Yes. I mean, it's the big question of should Christ, Christians be involved in the, you know, the pursuit of happiness? The question, the purpose of life, is, is it to be happy? For many traditions, it's like, no, 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 no. You have Christ, you should be happy. You have Christ, you should be a joyous person. But is that true? Dr. Cherry uh, talked about uh, traditions from the West and from the East and their different perspectives on, on joy and happiness. And, and it was really, really interesting. Uh, we talked about uh, her book, The Art of Happiness. She mentioned her second book. It's it's definitely a, a, a must-listen podcast. Is that how you say it? So enjoy our must-listen podcast <laughs> with Dr. Ellen T. Cherry. Dr. Cherry, welcome to the Regent College podcast. It's great to have you. Thank you. We're excited about our about our conversation. Um, so we're going to talk about. Uh, the Bible and emotions and happiness and joy and how we understand all of those things biblically and theologically and historically. And you're the right person for us to talk to about these things because you've, you've done a fair bit of thinking around it and then writing and lecturing and so on. So why don't you, why don't you we start with a, just an introductory question. How do you understand the difference between happiness and joy? Um the difference between happiness and joy is of my own distinguishing mm -hmm. uh, because a happiness, happiness is more common to talk about in the Hebrew Bible than in the younger Testament mm. where there's more about joy um, in the Hebrew mm. Bible. There's really happiness. <laughs> what I understand to be a, a settled state of being that one can look at one's life and say, I am comfortable and satisfied with who I am living the way I do. Mm. Joy in the Younger Testament, especially in Paul, um, is more circumstantial. It's a feeling of um, a kind of, not necessarily momentary, but targeted around an event or something that happens to you or around you. Mm -hmm. So I, that's how I distinguish them. Mm -hmm. That joy is an event, whereas happiness 
is a state of well-being that, I mean, I get this from Augustine, really, mm-hmm. um, that he talked about felicitas and beatitudino, which are states that can be achieved in looking at your whole life and your whole relationship with God. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's how I distinguish yeah. that. So that's a really helpful. That's a so really like helpful. Well, when you talk about the Old Testament, so I guess it's definitely definitely linked to the to shalom, happiness in the Old Testament. Um, yes, it is, but that's not the word. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. The word the word shalom just means complete. Mm. It means. Um, it means um, shalem means complete or full, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but it's been, and it and it's not all that common actually in the text, but it's been taken out of there and used in um, mostly by Christians, used in um, very broad and extensive uh, ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ellen, I noticed that you you very. Uh, overtly use the word the Hebrew Bible and the Younger Testament. Do you want to we would do you want to just tell us a little bit that might be new to to listeners that haven't necessarily thought about the the Bible in that way. Do you want to just tell us a little bit about why how why do you use those terms and what's what what causes you to do that? Right. Um uh, this has to do with the work I'm doing now. Right. And that is the standard terms Old Testament and New Testament intentionally imply that the old is kind of used up mm-hmm. and the new is now the good and here to stay. Right. And, and the old, and generally, um, at least in the United States, we have a throwaway culture. The idea is to keep, in order to keep the economy um, healthy, we're all encouraged to throw old things away and mm-hmm. they're made with intentional obsolescence so that right. they break sooner. They have to be updated. And they have to be updated. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. Right. So, and the newer is always better. And, um, mm. and I object to that <laughs> because <laughs> it has had disastrous consequences in history. Much violence and hatred uh, have come from that distinction. So I use the terms older and younger Testament Mm-hmm. because that's focused on the time of their writing mm-hmm. rather than an ideology attached to them. Right. Or mm-hmm. I use Hebrew Bible mm-hmm. um, to make sure everybody knows what we're talking about um, and Younger Testament. I say Hebrew Bible so everyone knows what we're talking about because I once attended a music concert um, where the choir was singing from the Song of Songs. And the liner notes in the program, this was not a children's concert. The liner notes said, translated from the original Latin. <laughs> now, anybody who knows anything <laughs> about the Hebrew Bible. Was it written in Latin? <laughs> no, it was not written in Latin. That was beautiful. <laughs> so that's why I insist on explaining Hebrew Bible in case there are still folks who mm. think that that Jerome, when he translated the Vulgate, was 
who yeah. was writing scripture to begin with. <laughs> right. Just to make that yeah. very clear. You just <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, that's good. Thank you. I just, yeah, I noticed that you had just, you'd thrown yeah. those in and I was like, there's, there's for sure, there's some, there's some deeper thinking and some deeper work going on there. And that definitely, I have heard people using the Hebrew Bible definitely for the Old, Old Testament, but I haven't actually, I haven't used, I haven't heard the older, younger kind of distinction there. So that's, and that originates with me. That's, oh, that's my own. Why? Those are my own terms. There we go. That makes perfect. That's why I haven't heard it till we started talking to you. Oh, that's great. Thanks for thanks for there clarifying that. So, so like go, going back going back to, to, to our topic uh, about happiness and joy. Uh, do you think the Bible encourages us to pursue happiness in the sense of, at least in my tradition, it was like happiness and joy was a given. You have Christ. You have joy. You don't have to pursue anything. You just got it. Now, now go on to making the world a better place, to giving, to helping the poor, because you don't have to search for joy because you have it. But, but uh, of course, be, uh, you, you mentioned the U.S. and you're from the U.S. Like pursuit of happiness is in your constitution, it's right? In blood. Yeah, it's in your <laughs> blood. That's what you live for or strive for every day of your life. You per, the pursuit of happiness. So, do you think uh, that the Bible pushes us or encourages us to? pursue happiness to be happy is that like a goal in itself um i don't think it is for the bible in the language that we are now using it right but um but there are various texts that indicate that not only just having christ but living in a certain way following mm -hmm. an intentional way of life is a way of life that brings honor and contentment and therefore happiness with oneself as mm -hmm. a result of living, let's say, the Christian life. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit different from just saying, well, I know God loves me through Christ and therefore I don't have to think about anything else. Mm -hmm. But we still have lives to live. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, and I think... What In my book on happiness, what I was trying to say is that the Christian life or the biblical or Jewish life, for, for that matter, is about living an intentional life in God, through God, and that life takes on a different character when we see ourselves and everything around us and everything that we do and everything that we touch mm -hmm. through an intentional life with God. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that, that come, that becomes so stronger and weaker over life, over a lifetime. Right. We're better able to do that at some times in our lives than other times in our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. So we have to account, as you did in another podcast, we have to account for suffering. And can there be happiness or joy in suffering? Mm -hmm. And and so, um, actually, you, you focused on my first book on this topic, mm -hmm. but the sequel to it, my follow up book, is clearer okay. than okay. the one that you um, have identified. Okay. It, it, this is all, all much clearer in the second book. Okay. 
Well, you, you feel go. free to weave in the insights from the second book into our into our conversation as as they as yeah. it comes up. I could yeah. I could even wave the book in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> Just for the two of us. Yeah, that's right. No one else is going to see it. No. <laughs> and so you so that's that you were talking Octavia was asking about kind of um is the purpose of the does the Bible tell us that we should pursue happiness? Has the Christian tradition more broadly mm-hmm. how has that thought about happiness and and joy? Do you want to speak about that a little bit the christian tradition has two main departments <laughs> that we call east and west mm-hmm. yeah. and the east are the churches that originally wrote in greek now they write in russian and all other kinds of and uh, and um and other languages but they all event originally wrote in greek and western christianity is all those Christian traditions that originally wrote in Latin. Um, and, and they have different ideas about happiness, mm-hmm. um, different ways of understanding it and approaching it. And, um, and I, I suspect that the three of us all come from Western Latinate Christianity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And probably most of your um, listeners come right. from Western Christianity mm-hmm. Um that is a little more skittish about happiness. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you another so. little story. When I first started thinking about happiness, and I, I started thinking about happiness in the Christian life um, because no one was talking about it. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I wondered why. Mm. So I first, when I first started thinking about this, I gave a couple of lectures at a small uh, Christian college in the Midwest United States. And after one of the, I guess it was two, two or three lectures. And after the first lecture, people were filing out of the hall and a man came by me and, and he whispered in a very loud voice, sotto voce, he whispered to me, there are more important things to think about. And then he walked away. Mm. You didn't get a chance to respond, I'm guessing. He didn't, he didn't want to respond. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he yeah. wasn't interested in, in, yeah. in, yeah. in a response. But I, I had to f- decipher what he meant by that. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what he meant was Christianity is about being good, not about being happy. Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, and I took that as a challenge because... <laughs> yeah. Because I don't think that the classic division between being good and being happy is a real division. Mm. Mm -hmm. And my second book is even clearer on this, that I think we become happy when we live salutary lives. Mm. That is when we live good morally and socially and culturally good lives Mm. Mm -hmm. that makes for a happy life right and Mm -hmm. and so the divide between those two is false Mm -hmm. still he is speaking out of western christianity Mm. that was always skittish about happiness because it's what i call working from defect-based presuppositions. Mm, Tell us more about that. Western theology 
begins with a problem. It begins with a problem at Genesis 3. Yeah. And and the problem really never goes away. Yeah. In 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 the first several centuries of Christianity, it really did go away through baptism. But that never really caught on in the later West. Mm. And so the problem of not just it's not a problem of sin. It's a problem of sinfulness of the very condition of being human Mm -hmm. is defective, Mm. is defective. And, and Christians should spend their, all their energy and their attention on figuring out what could overcome that defect because because of that defect, we got thrown out of paradise, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. We got thrown out of paradise. And the Christian story of salvation is basically a story about how to get back there. Mm-hmm. But if you remember Genesis 3, God set flaming swords yeah. at the entrance, making sure that we could not get back. Very serious punishment it was. Right. And that is my understanding that subsequent Western Christianity focused on this and and thereby focused attention on the fear of punishment that we deserve from God mm-hmm. by simply by virtue of being human. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's why I wrote a book on happiness mm-hmm. because I wanted to and do want to create a theology that is strength based, not defect defect based, mm-hmm. that acknowledges our strengths that life with God builds on and strengthens so that they lateralize from us and spread out into the world. Mm-hmm. Because my argument is God does not want us to languish. God wants us to flourish. Mm-hmm. But that is not heavily reflected in Christian theology or literature. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so would you say that's really, that's a really helpful, tell, tell me that phrase again, defect the, 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 that phrase that you used about, yeah. Defect-based. Yeah, presuppositions. Presuppositions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then strength-based presuppositions, presuppositions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is what I'm working from. Yeah. And so okay. then would you, and you were sort of, you were reflecting that sort of more coming out of the Western sort of corner of the church. Does the Eastern corner of the church, have they, do they, is it that they have come with from a more strength-based sort of position and do you want to sort of talk to us about what what does that look like then in terms of their understanding of scripture and how that then plays itself out in the in the biblical narrative right one way is that the the east focused on the trinity whereas the later west in at second i'm talking about the second millennium of western christianity not really the first millennium right only in the second millennium when east and west really split right that um, that Western Christianity comes to focus on the cross, mm. at, while Eastern Christianity focuses on the resurrection. 
I see. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's more on the Trinity that strengthens the role of the spirit. Whereas in, in the West, the focus is on Christ. Yep. And the most important day of the Christian year is Good Friday. It's not Christmas morning. Mm. Theologically, the center of the Western church is Good Friday, not yeah. Easter Sunday and not good and not Christmas. Christmas. Mm. Because the West focused on atonement, which is getting rid of something bad. Mm. And this is a there's this very simple reason for this. Um, in the year 1098, now we're just into the second millennium, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And some of Canterbury, he was the Archbishop of Canterbury at the mm-hmm. time, or maybe he wrote this before he became Archbishop of Canterbury. He wrote a, a, a treatise, a little book called Why God Became Human. Mm-hmm. And it's a very, it's maybe the most influential single treatise in all of Western Christianity. Mm-hmm. And it was all about the cross. And there's no treat in that text. There's no treatment of the resurrection at all. Mm. He never gets to resurrection. Mm. And that became so influential subsequently that that the West stayed focused on Good Friday. That is about getting rid of something bad. Right. 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 And clinging to Christ, hoping that God loves you anyway, even though you really do deserve God's punishing judgment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. Whereas in the East, they talked about and, 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 and a few people in the West, mostly women who were pretty much uh, prohibited from speaking aloud. Right. Um, we can talk about them in a minute. Yeah. But in the, in the East, there was a stronger focus on the incarnation, mm-hmm. not the cross, the incarnate, that in the incarnation, God becoming human lifts us up into yeah. divinity. Yeah. It's an incarnation based faith that takes uh, gives takes us into the strengths and power of God. Mm-hmm. Whereas the West remained focused on the sinfulness that really can't be got rid of. Mm-hmm. We can just hope that God ignores it. Right. Which is the core of Western soteriology. Mm-hmm. Starting with Anselm. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. my read of it. Sorry for interrupting your podcast, but Claire Perini has something important to say. This podcast is a ministry of Regent College and relies on the support of generous donors. If you've enjoyed our conversation today or any other day, please consider making a small donation to the college at rgnt.net forward slash give. That's R-R-G-N. <laughs> How do you say R? Ah. Uh, ah. Uh. <laughs> R. Okay, let me do that again. R. R. G. R. Please consider making a small donation to the college at 
rgnt.net forward slash give. That's rgnt.net slash give. Now, if you really want to make our day, when you donate, there's a comment box. Please leave a note saying that the podcast sent you. Thank you. Thank you. And enjoy the rest of the podcast. God, I'm going to read your second book. Please, let, please, please tell me the title of your second book so everybody can hear it and I can go and pick it up. Yeah. God and the Art of Happiness. God and the Art of Happiness. There you go. I'm going to read that thing. I, I, I think this, this would definitely uh, uh, connect with that. And, and I think I heard this in one of your lectures. I've enjoyed a bunch of your lectures. Uh, Thank you. It says, the Bible knows very little of Stoicism, especially the Old Testament, of course. And there is not an understanding that we, should, with, that we shouldn't enjoy life. Ellen T. Cherry. <laughs> right, 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 right. Could you please comment on that a little bit? I love that phrase. And maybe, maybe just for people who aren't familiar with what stoicism is, why don't you just give us a little bit of a just a just a, just a snapshot on what that means, and then and just because not everyone, not everyone may know. Stoicism, stoicism is badly understood in the West, um, and um, but it had a, a very strong influence on uh, on Western Christianity, and starting in around with Augustine, certainly, mm-hmm. and and Calvin has a very heavy dose of. Stoicism too. I think so. Yes. Stoicism um, is the understanding that the way to manage well in life is to be able to control your emotions. Right. And maintain equanimity of spirit and mind and life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm even in untoward circumstances, right? Yep, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And that it's it's meant to say, whether you're poor or wealthy, whether you're healthy or injured and ill, Mm -hmm. you should be able to have what Augustine called self-mastery so that you disregard the external circumstances that you're caught in and enable your inner life to hold on to that which is of lasting value, Mm -hmm. which is not our health or our wealth. Mm -hmm. So all these ancient philosophies that were very influential on Christianity, um, wanted starting with augustine wanted to help us distinguish between external goods and the inner life which is life with god which is imperishable because you know the phrase you can't take it with you Mm -hmm. what does that phrase mean it means when you leave this earth whatever you've accumulated here stays here Mm -hmm. Um, if you've used it well, maybe if you do have a, uh, a conscious sensibility beyond, you can feel good about what you did with what you had here right. mm-hmm. and how you left the earth. Uh, hopefully that you left it better than you found it mm-hmm. <laughs> or something like that. Right, right. And that is satisfying. But the idea is that all that we have and all that we do is transient. 
So that's where Stoicism crept in. Mm -hmm. And um, and in Calvin, it seems to appear as fate that this is what God has determined for your life and right. you have to accept it. I'll give you another little story about that. Yeah. Um, uh, one year I was uh, in my teaching career, I had a student and she will be nameless. And she was very excited because at break time, she was going home to get engaged to mm. her beloved. And when she went back, he had a very minor um, heart, um, heart murmur or something, but it required surgery. Mm. And to make a long story short, he he had a cerebral hemorrhage and died on the table. Oh. I mean, it was just fluke, mm -hmm, total mm -hmm, fluke. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And and he died on the table. Mm. And I think you can understand that she was devastated. Mm -hmm. His parents, on the other hand, were just fine. <sighs> because they had absorbed a heavy dose of stoicism through Calvinism. Right. That said, this is God's will, mm -hmm. and God's will must be right, even if it's unpleasant and mm -hmm. seems wrong to us. So, mm -hmm. his, so there's no grieving allowed. Mm -hmm. There's no grieving allowed. That's why I don't know what's happening in um, in in Canada, but in the United States, in in the Protestant world, at least, and maybe even in the Catholic world. Funerals have been basically done away with. There are only celebrations. Of celebrations of life. Yeah. 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 Celebrations of the resurrection. Why right. is that? It's for this very reason, because grieving seems to disrespect God's will. If you mm. really accept that everything is, that is God's will is good, then grieving is disrespectful or disobedient of God's will. Interesting. Right. And so grieving is really not permitted in some forms of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we are actually approaching the end of a podcast, but, but I wanted to ask you this question uh, that is somehow personal. And, it, and it's like, how does, how does our understanding of joy change with aging? And if that has happened to you, because I think it has happened to me. And my question was, should it happen? Maybe my previous definition was not good enough and I'm going to change it. I but don't understand why you're experiencing that because you're young <laughs> you have a long way to go before you have the right to ask yourself that I question feel old. i feel so old so old so i'm a better person to ask that question <laughs> um i think my emotional life has become more settled as i've been through difficult experiences in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. When I was teaching actively, I had very young students. I think we had the youngest students in theological education. Right. They were many of them fresh out of college and many of them had never suffered. And I did say to them once, I said, be apprised. You have not yet suffered. Mm -hmm. You will suffer. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't think they wanted to hear that from no. me. Mm -hmm. yeah. 
But I did have the age uh, cred to say that to them. So I think with suffering comes a greater appreciation for moments of joy and the ability to sustain a happy, stable outlook on life. Mm. It just gets harder to do with suffering. Mm. And, 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 it's, and it's harder to get back to that equilibrium. Right. I, for I, for example, lost my beloved, magnificent husband at a young age. Mm -hmm. And I was completely devastated. Yeah. And, mm. um, and I, that's why I wrote God and the Art of Happiness. Mm -hmm. I wrote it to ask myself if I could ever be happy again. Yeah. yeah. That's why I wrote the book. Yeah. And, because he yeah. died. Mm. And that was a very important question. Could I ever be happy again? And my immediate response was, there has to be a way for me to get there. Right. Uh -huh. Even though I couldn't see it. Mm -hmm. So that's when I went to God to find it. Because God had not helped me in that mm -hmm. catastrophic illness. Mm -hmm. God was not there for me. But I could not let go. Mm -hmm. I wrote that book. Mm. Mm. Um, thank you for your honesty. Um, yeah. I, I wonder you, the other, just kind of again, sort of this is is more personal, but it's something that you said sort of right at the start about life with God. That it's like if there is a way for you know, is there a way for me to be happy again? Then there must be a way. What does that look like? Um, and and that it's there's something in this life with God. Do what what does that look like for you, or how has that looked? What is what is that? How, what does life with God look like for you? Well, you have to read the second book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will. I promise that. <laughs> Me too. I promise yeah. that. It means living from God's strengths, living an intentional life from God's strengths that we can grow into. There are mm. attributes of God that we can grow into and become. Not mm -hmm. all of them, but some of them we can become. And as we grow in wisdom, and as we grow in goodness by being embedded in God's life, we enhance our own well-being and our own happiness. Mm -hmm. By becoming stronger, we also, it enables us to strengthen others so that we flourish more and they flourish more right. because we have the strengths mm -hmm. to enhance the well-being of the advance, what I call the common good. Yeah. 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 Right. We contribute to society in constructive ways that upbuild the church and mm -hmm. upbuild the, the whole world beyond. Mm -hmm. And, um, and when we do that, we, again, enhance ourselves further. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so instead of this uh, self-sacrificial ethic that yeah. says I, that Christianity in the West adopted, that I have to sacrifice myself for your well-being and give myself away so that there's nothing left mm -hmm. of me, 
and I give it all to you, mm. that's false. Mm. Mm. It's when I give myself to you that I enhance myself because I'm not giving myself away. Mm-hmm. I'm building myself up in the ability to right. enable others to flourish. Mm-hmm. And right. that builds me up. It doesn't, it doesn't diminish me. It doesn't mm-hmm. empty me. Mm-hmm. And I think all that language of self, um, self-sacrifice as self-destructive is completely wrongheaded. Mm-hmm. So that's the second book. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's <laughs> what, to read that. <laughs> and that's what, um, that's what this life of happiness is about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, that, thank you. That's really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Now, you said at the start of the podcast, this is all of this, this work around emotions and feelings and how we, un- and happiness is all work that you've done maybe 10 years ago, probably before that, but if you had, if, yeah, if the books came out then, but so but that you're working on other things now, do you want to just tell us a little bit about the sorts of things you're thinking about and researching and, and writing on now? Yeah. I'm working on the hardest thing in my professional life that I've ever done. Mm. All of them, all of what I've talked about was child's play compared to what I'm doing now. Dang. And it, that was no child's play. No. Yeah. But um, I'm looking at Christian history and for 2000 years, there's been basically what I'm now calling a verbal holy war between Christianity and Judaism. Mm-hmm. They've been at war since Paul. <laughs> mm. And um, it's time to put the war down. Mm-hmm. It's gone on too long. It's too destructive. Mm. It's too debilitating to everyone. And we now have an opportunity to put that war down. Mm-hmm. And so I am reconstructing the theological relationship between Christianity and Judaism from the ground up. Mm-hmm. It's the most horrifying work I've ever attempted. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> you used the word horrifying. <laughs> yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. As wow. opposed to the as opposed to the most liberating work that I ever did, which was my Psalms commentary. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so people can people can hold those next to each other when the you yeah. know when the book comes out when you've reconstructed the <laughs> everything. It's been very, very, very difficult. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, red everywhere, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stepping on, trying not to step on a mine. Landmines, yeah. Yeah. Every step is a landmine. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and how do you sort of honor, honor, and honor history and honor both um, people, traditions? Yeah, that's a very, very challenging task. Very, very challenging task. Well, we're always grateful that there are people who's brains and lives are willing to invest in those hard questions mm-hmm. <laughs> hard for you personally as well as hard for you just kind of academically and 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 theologically as well so all of uh, the above yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 so we're yeah we're really grateful so thank you ellen so much for your time it's been a wonderful conversation we've had a great time we've, we've got we've got a, both got a bit few more books we need to put on our list for maybe over the yeah. christmas break or something yeah but, um, <laughs> so i'm gonna read your second book and maybe i have like 2,000 more questions, so I'm going to... We, we might get back to you. Shoot you an email. <laughs> sure. Thank you, Ellen. We really appreciate your time. Thanks again. Great. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Regent College Podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
To discover more about Regent College, its upcoming events, conferences, courses, and more content like this, visit rgnt.net. That is rgnt.net.